Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, <clears throat> I bring to your people your word. Lord, speak through me. Send forth your word. Let your word bring healing, bring deliverance. For the entrance of your word, give a light and give it understanding to the simple. Bring understanding to the simple. Bring light to our lives. Let us not remain the same. Thank you, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seat. We've been doing a series titled, The 12 Laws of Influence. We are looking at the law eight today, and it's the law of process. The law of process. Everybody say the law of process. Or say it louder and bigger, the law of process. Okay, those, those here, can you say the law, the law of process? Only those here, the law of process. Okay, let's see whether those here will be them. You? Yeah, you are better. Would you like to catch up with them? Go ahead. Wow, you just beat them. Okay, would those here do that for me? The law, no, you are shouting. I, I said, say the law of process. Fantastic. The choir? I didn't hear bass. I had only treble. <laughs> Can we say that again? The tenors have it. Okay. And those here? Okay. Only one person be the whole church. Was that Mr. Segovia? And here? You, you, are not, you don't want to compete. So you see a vase here. Or a vase. I said a vase, my son says, is pronounced vase. So in my house, I have English teachers. So Kevin, Kevin and Mami Sawa tried to teach me and mommy how to pronounce things. So we grew up the past tense of it is it. They said, no, it's not it, it's eight. Am I right? There's a way they pronounce it. But I've been telling them that I've been paying school fees. And so my English is final in the house. So Kevin said vase, I said vase. So this is a beautiful masterpiece of work. I have owned this for like 10 years for like 10 to 12 years it's very precious for me when you enter my office that's the first thing you see there's a way that it communicates to me because i see beyond this when i see when i look at this i see an intelligent porter and then i see beyond the porter a worthless clay. A clay without value. Or without much value. Now we have a lot of dust in Africa. If we were to export dust, we would be very rich. Isn't it? But it's so worthless. Nothing. In fact, your biggest problem at home 
is the dust that comes to your house. Every morning you have to sweep them away. We are all looking that government will come and tar our roads. So dust that can be pounded into clay or clay, original clay, usually it doesn't have any value. But then a porter goes to pick this valueless, worthless piece of clay. But before he does that, something existed in his mind. This existed in his mind. And he pictured a bishop in Africa by name Titi Ofer. And he says, if I take this worthless clay and test it through a process, a value addition process, an African bishop will buy it. Will be willing to invest into it. So he goes to take this clay and takes this clay through a process. First brings the clay home. There may be air existing in the clay. He has to hit the clay, put the clay down. There may be some impurities in the clay. He has to move it out. And then finally, the clay becomes better and puts it on the wheel, winds it around, and uses the fingers to try to get something out of it. From there, puts the clay in fire and bakes it. Then brings it out and begins to do glazing and drawing on it. Then puts the clay in a box, puts it in a ship, and ships it to Africa. And the two of us shows up and says, I will buy this. When I saw this, it was so beautiful to me. I bought it before I thought about the fact that this used to be a worthless clay. But why am I spending money on a worthless clay? Because somebody took it through what we call the value addition process. The value addition process. My duty today is to show you how God has value to your life through a process that you really don't appreciate. It may be painful. It may be hard. It may be discouraging. It may be delaying. But I can tell you that there is a process taking place in your life. I look at myself in the mirror today and I see a 54-year-old man who came here without gray hair. Just last night, I saw a picture of my young self. And I was showing mommy, this was when I was young. No gray hair. And I mean, six packs. Now I have 12 packs. Nice boy standing there. But now I have changed. But I think I've gotten nicer. At least my wife tells me that. When I showed her the picture of my younger self, she said, but now you look nicer. Now, how did I get here? Process. A process I don't have authority over. As I stand here right now, blood is running through my body. My heart is pumping blood. My lungs is receiving oxygen. 
my my liver i think is is taking some waste out of me and my kidney is doing a certain function my eyes is seeing you my brain is working my vocal cavities are working my my esophagus is doing something my diaphragm has to work for me to be here my bones are working but the amazing thing is that my cells are dying and reliving Then in 50 years time, I'll be 104 and I'll still be here preaching. You see? So my body is a system. And that system goes through a certain process. And the process gives a certain result that I have no authority over. It's only women that try to get a bit of authority over their bodies. They shave their eyes, the brows, eh? And draw a new one. God himself is surprised. God is surprised. They are amazing. Women are amazing. They are amazing. I'm looking at the women here. I think there's only one woman who has a natural hair. The one God gave. All of them have changed. I am sure that God will meet one of you and say, uh, what is your name? Who created you? I remember, I remember, I made you, I made you have changed a lot. But on a more serious note, we have no control of how we are shaped. Some of us would have changed the shape of our score, but you have no control over it. Because there is a process taking place that you cannot control. Now, what happens in our body that we can't control is the same thing that happens in our lives. We don't have control over our lives. A process is taking place. And the earlier you realize this and you say to God, Father, take over. Take over my life and drive this process. Drive this process to your to your own logical conclusion. I don't know whether we should ascribe logical conclusion to God. Because sometimes God is not very logical. So I want to share a few things with you. I think I'm going to speak standing here. So let's, let's go. Let me see. Now look at this scripture. Look, no, look, look at the law. The law of process is my own law. Okay, the law of process. The value of a clay is determined by the finished work of the potter. So the value of this clay is now the determination of the finished work of the potter. How much, how much I paid for this clay, decorated clay, that has gone through process and value has been added to it is as a result of the finished work of the potter. 
In other words, the workmanship of the potter determines the value of the clay. The workmanship of the potter determines the value of the clay. Now, the Bible is very clear that God sees himself as a potter and you as a clay. See, see, look at the scripture. Look at the scripture. Like a clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. Like a clay in the value of, in the, in the, in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. Wow. So look at you. God says you are clay. And he is a potter. Right now, as you are sitting here, you are probably in the hands of God and he, he's mashing you. He's, he's pressing you hard and he's trying to form something out of you. He, he's trying to form something out of you. My confidence in life is that I am in the hands of God. And God has a certain picture of me. God has a certain picture of who I should become the next 10 years. And as I speak to you right now, he's working on me. I am a project in the hands of God. And God is working on me. For you to think that whatever you are going through is out of control in the hands of God. Is the devil lying to you. Whatever you are going through right now, it may be sweet, it may be bitter, it may be discouraging. Whatever it is, trust this, you are clear in the hands of God. Are you here? No matter what you are going through, you are a clay in God's hands. And he is shaping you. He's making a form out of your formless life. And very soon, you will see how you turn out. For me, I believe, I believe strongly beyond any shadow of doubt that you will turn out very well. You will turn out very well. Your marriage is a clay in the hands of God. It doesn't matter what you are going through now. He is a clay in the hands of God. He is forming something out of that marriage. Are you here with me? Now look, look at this next slide. Look at this. Now hear this. Jeremiah 18 verse 6. Jeremiah 18 verse 6. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was mad in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. As it seemed best to him. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? To create a masterpiece out of clay, you will need first to create a mess. You will first need to create a mess before you can create a masterpiece out of clay. And God was intentional choosing you as a clay and he as a porter, as an example. Because God knows that right now your marriage is a mess. But it's a process in which God creates masterpieces. Are you here with me? 
There is something messy going on right now in your life. There's something very messy going on. Something very messy going on. Your son is messing up. Your daughter is messing up. Your family is disintegrated. There is a problem. A loved one is sick. Very, very sick to the point of death. You may have even lost someone. But for God to create a masterpiece, he will first have to create a mess. Listen, that messy situation will not kill you. It will not, it will not, that is not the end of your life. The marriage has delayed and your life looks a bit messy. This is not the way you anticipated that your life would turn out. But ask this clay that produced this verse. When this clay was on the potter's wheel, the clay said to itself, I never knew my life was going to be a mess like this. When the clay was put through fire, the clay said to itself, I never knew I was going to be in a mess like this. But when it was finally out, it looked at the hands of the porter and said, it is good, it has been good for me that I have been afflicted. Because you are affliction made me better. I see that you are getting better in the hands of God. I see you are getting better in the hands of God. You are getting better in the hands of God. I came to tell someone here, you can only get better because you are a clay in the hands of God. I know, I know. You are saying, preacher, you don't know my situation. I, I, I honestly don't know your situation. But I know what the Bible says about every situation. All things work together for your good. All things work together for your good. All things will. All things will. All things will. Ah, all things will. Everything in your life that seems to be messing around will work together for your good. My assurance is that I am a clay in the hands of God. The greatest porter, the first porter who made man out of clay. Look at you. Over 200 bones in your system. You have over 6,000 veins in your body. 6,000 miles vein in your body. Look at you. You are nicely, wonderfully, fearfully wired. My heart has been functioning for 54 years. I have not had any reason to go to the workshop to change oil. tell how the blood in my body continues to run uh, as i stand here when a blood is climbing me up whatever is pushing it up i can tell but once i was a clay 
the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Out of the dust of the ground. The first potter, the first potter is God. And he's still doing pottery with your marriage. With your academic life. With your professional life. You see how beautiful your wife is. Well, well I, at least I know my wife is beautiful. I don't know about your wife. So when you look at your wife, how beautiful she is. Think about this. So God made this woman out of clay. Oh, look at how handsome your husband is. Don't mind the pot bellies. After 40, we all try to improve on our stature. Pot belly is part of it. Now look at that man. Just look at that man. So this man was made by God out of clay. If God weaved you out of clay, why can't you, why can't he weave your marriage out of clay? Your business out of, he says, I am a porter and you are the clay. He didn't say you are a clay. You are the clay. You are the main assignment God is working on now. If he opens your eyes like he has opened my eyes, you will see God at work on your life. He's working something out. He's working something out. He's getting something better out of your life. He's working something out of your life. It's only a matter of time that you will share your testimony. It's only a matter of time that God will vindicate you. It's only a matter of time that you will celebrate. It was only a matter of time that Joseph became prime minister. What a church. What a church. I am telling you, I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I. And you know the amazing thing? He's working on your marriage because one day he wants you to see Jesus. He doesn't want that marriage to take you to hell. He doesn't want the loss of that business to take you to hell. God is obligated as a porter to make sure you come out as a good pot. God is obligated. That is my relationship with him. I am a clay and he is a porter. And I see him every day of my life. He just working something out. You know, sometimes get out of your life. And be a spectator of your life. And see the wonderful thing God is doing. You know, when you are too involved in your life, you don't really see what God is doing. So sometimes you say, God, take over. Just take over. Spend some time alone with God in prayer. And you say, Lord, I give up trying to help you. Just take over. 
Just take over. I am ready. I am ready. Yeah, I know that you have to take some things out and bring some things in. I surrender to you. Just take over, Lord. Get out of your life and let him do it. And once you are out of your life, oh, wow. You know, I always feel that when I'm not in church, church gets better. When I'm outside and I'm looking at Kevin preaching, Apostle A.B. preaching, and all those things. And I look at it and say, I, I am doing well. Oh. It's not bad at all I'm doing well. It's because I just got out and looked at it from outside. You know how sometimes you think your husband is the worst man you ever met? And then somebody meets you and say, you are making a mistake. That man is a good man. You know why? Because, because the person is looking at it from the outside. Sometimes you never know that your children are growing older until somebody comes from outside and says, Hey! Look at your son. When I was living, he was like this. Now look at him. It's there that you realize, wow, you have grown hard in seed. It took an outsider to tell me. That is why, that is why the woman you are crying that God should kick out of your life. Somebody is praying for that woman to come out of your life. And you say, Lord, let him kick it out. I'm here, I'm waiting for this woman. <laughs> are you here? I said, get out and look at what God is doing. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Wow. Just get out a little and see what God is doing. So, so at the pastor's conference, I was talking about marriage and the blessing that comes with it and the curses that follows. And one pastor said, I see a lot of men who are cheating on their wives and things are going well with them. And men who are not. And so I, so I, I use Pastor um, Felix. Is Pastor Felix here? Pastor Felix was my congalist when I was pastoring a church in Teshin. And this man is, typifies this message I'm preaching. Come here. His profession is a driver. And whilst he was playing conquer in church and driving, he's a man who has a genuine heart, a good heart. Just loves God. He loves prayer. He doesn't love competition. He, he just focuses on what God is doing in his life. Whilst he was playing conquer and driving people around, 
I can tell you today, some of the people he drove around who were his bosses, their children did not finish university. Some of them, their children have become drug addicts. He has five children. Five children. How many of them have masters? Two of them have masters. How many of them have first degrees? Two. And the last one is at the final, is the final year at the University of Ghana. With all your money, you could buy all textbooks. And yet, your children have become drug addicts. They are failing the exams. His children never failed exams. They never failed exams. Now, your son is leading a choir in a church. He's a pastor. Your son is a pastor. Your daughter is married to a pastor. And she's on missions now. Wow. So in your old, old age, you are looking at them and you are satisfied. Very, very satisfied. I knew when, where you raised them, I, I, at least at the time I knew you, you were then raising them in a chamber and a hall. There, there, there was no, now you have built houses, now God has blessed you. But look at where you raised them. Now their children with, the, with single rooms, steady decks in their rooms, they are still failing exams. But look at you today. You are looking at your children and you know, wow, the portal really faced my life for me. The portal faced my life for me. The porter faced my life for me. The porter faced my life for me. Now, what I'm talking about, Pastor Cabo, is away. At that time, some of the leaders in the church were chartered accountants and were supposed to be leaders with them. They used to despise them. They used to despise them. He used to work with them in the same office and they used to despise him. Today, they can't despise him again. They can't despise him again. One day, I'm going to ask him to bring all his children here. They are lovers of Christ. Lovers of Christ. They saw their father playing conka faithfully. Mommy used to sing and he would play. Today, he's a pastor here. See, all those years that you were playing the conga, you were a willing clay. You were asking the Lord, Father, I have left everything into your hands. Do with me whatever you want to do with my life. Today, in your old age, you can look at them. He's, he, you over 60, isn't it? 60, 61. Healthy, strong, powerful. I am just showing you how God, how faithful God is to his faithful people. God is a faithful God. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share your testimony. His eyes is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Because awesome happy I sing because I'm free 
yourself in because that's how God creates masterpieces that's how God creates masterpieces you may feel dirty you may feel abandoned let me show you show us the next thing let me bring my sermon to a close you see this building here sometimes that's the way our life is now God is also a builder Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. I love to build. Both of you are close to me, you know. I love to buy properties. I love to build. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because I, all my life, we, we struggled to be, to be housed. You know, I grew up with my mother and my siblings in one small room. So maybe I'm trying to catch up with what I lost. But I love to build. When a contractor is building for you, so that it can be very frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating. So that you think they are chopping your money. Especially at the foundation level. You put in every money and you don't see anything. And then you go, wow, all this money I put in, where is mine? Sometimes they build and they have other projects to work on. So they leave your projects. Then you go there, you call them, they don't pick. You call them, they don't pick. And you are so angry. See, you are not the only project God is working on. So that he builds you up to a point and he attends to someone else. At that time, you are calling God and you feel he's not answering. But he knows what he's doing. He just knows what he's doing. Now, you... Dicado is my contractor. So I catch him and say, Dicado! They say, oh, daddy, no. We just cast a concrete and we need to wait for it to dry. So even though I felt he had abandoned my project, he did not abandon the project. It was rather part of the process. Ah, yes. <laughs> Are you here? Rather part of the process. You know, some of you here, you feel like an abandoned project. You feel like God is not listening to you. You have been praying and God is not listening. Why is this guy roofing his house and my house is not yet roofed? Please. It's part of the process. The concrete is cast. It has to solidify for the next floor. 
You are not losing. You are winning. Because the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. The only reason why you are involved in the battle is because you are God's weapon. But it doesn't mean that you are the one waging the battles. The fact that you are the boxing gloves for Tyson Fury, you see, the gloves will feel the pinch, will feel the, the impact. The gloves will feel it. But Tyson Fury will win. I loved it when he beat this guy in America. What is his name? Wilder or Wilder? Wilder when he beat Wilder. It was just like Jesus beating the devil for me. You know, as I'm talking to you right now, you are feeling the pinch because Jesus is giving the devil the last blow, the last blow. And you are feeling it, and you are feeling it. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And you are the weapon for the battle. You know, when you leave this service today, go out with your chest out. Go out with your chest out. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nothing goes out of the control in the hands of God. If God fails you, you will be the most popular person on earth because you will be the first person God has ever failed. You will be the first person God has ever failed. He does not fail his people. He will never fail you. He is a faithful God and he is a covenant-keeping God. He is a covenant keeping God. He didn't send his son to die for you. For your life to become a mess. The messy things around you. Is part of the process. Look at this. Look at this. And the next slide please. I'm closing the sermon. Now look. John 4 24. Most assuredly. I say to you, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. God is a farmer and you are the seed. He picks you like that and drops you. There's a difference between being buried and being planted. You will all be beneath the ground. But one is buried and one is planted. We don't bury seeds. We plant seeds. Now human beings must die before they are planted. But before they are buried. But seeds must be alive. They are planted to die. And then it, there's a period called the dormancy period. The dormancy period is a process where the seed has to break its protective layers so that it can interact with the nutrients in the soil. And then once it starts interacting with the nutrients in the soil, life comes back to the seed again. So we plant and we go to sleep. Who puts the nutrient in the soil? 
Who causes those chemical reactions to take place between the seed and the soil? It is not you. There is a divine hand at work. One man plants, another waters, God gives the increase. How he gives the increase, we cannot tell. But I know that you are a seed. You are not buried, you are planted. You are not seeing fruits now. Don't get discouraged. You are going through your dormancy period. It's only a matter of time that your seed will show up. Your fruit will show up. We are all very accustomed and, uh, with corn. Look at how the ground is hard. And then you put the corn there. And when it starts budding, there is this very weak, very weak thing that comes out. Weak plant that comes out. How is it able to push the soil away? How is it able? Where does it get the strength from? There is a divine process taking place. There is a divine process taking place. The seed suddenly feels alone. And usually, you don't plant them together. The seed suddenly is picked up, planted, covered with soil, and suddenly feels alone, feels in, finds itself in total darkness. Then it dies. There's something starts hitting it. Something starts hitting it. Something starts hitting it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So I went to a theater, a performing art theater. And they took me behind the stage. And I saw the costumes and all the things there. And then the director of the theater said, this is where production takes place. So what you see on the, on the stage, everything takes place here. The actors will come here. We will change their clothes. We will change this and tell them what we're saying. We mic them from here. We say, go, go, go to the stage. And the actor comes there and performs. But out of one actor are several people at the back there. The actor comes down and the actor has to go back to the stage. It's minutes. Somebody's doing makeup. Another person is styling the hair. Another person is wearing shoes. Another person is removing this thing. And then we finish and this actor just come up the stage and everybody's clapping but there is a production team behind i see god i see angels behind the scene they are your production team very soon you will hit the stage and the light will be on you and everybody will say here is she here is the person we have been waiting for production is taking place very soon you will see thank you for joining me in church today the lord bless you and keep you the lord calls his face to shine upon you the lord grant you success in the name of jesus anything discouraging you i pray that god will encourage you i pray for divine strength i pray for divine strength i pray for divine enablement in the name of Jesus.